Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, you. Yes, you listening to me talk right now. You must be tired of hearing from me all the time. So I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you at Politico's audio team. So we've got a new survey where you can tell us what you like, what you don't like about Politico's podcasts, podcasts like Politico Dispatch. Hopefully you like what you're hearing here, but we want to hear from you no matter what. So fill out the survey. The URL for it is politico.com slash pod survey. Again, that's politico.com slash pod survey. Please fill it out if you have some time. Also, you can find a link in this episode's show notes. All right, here's the show. Enjoy. Ryan Heath, you host a podcast. I host a podcast. What do you call it when there are several hosts together on a show? A host of hosts? <laughs> Hostception? Oh, we need a collective noun. It's a, no, it's a pod of pods. It's a pod pod. Pod pod. <laughs> nice. Welcome to the pod pod people. <laughs> pod pod people. I like that. <laughs> Hey there, pod pod people. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, your daily source of annoying alliterations. And today on the show... I'm Ryan Heath, and I am the host of Politico's Global Insider podcast and newsletter. Ryan Heath, on what's next for the global tech race. So to get started, how, how would you define what the global tech race is exactly. I think it's a big dramatic cloud, a storm cloud that is hanging over all of us. I think the starting point is that tech is no longer this single vertical sector of our economy or our society. It is this big horizontal thing that just sort of sits over the top of everything now. Mm. And it is increasingly clear that there are these three huge sort of vectors of power or three ways of approaching all the opportunity and all of the kind of questions and threats uh, that arise from this new technology. You have this kind of freewheeling, innovative uh, American model. You have very much uh, China as a rising power, very heavy state hand and how things should happen for the benefit of China so that it can rise to great power status is the second element of it. And then you have the EU, which tends to be a bit clunky, but tends to think a lot further in advance about what are the guardrails for all of this. So they're kind of the regulatory superpower in the equation. And these three power players are just kind of duking it out right now. And it's not really clear that anyone can win. And I think that brings, you know, a lot of really big ethical and economic questions and uncertainty to the tech world. Hmm. Artificial intelligence is going to make so many of the decisions that will make our life either easy or scary in the future. And to a large extent, we won't even know when that's happening. You know, it happens in smart devices in our homes right now, but it's going to happen in a thousand other ways in our daily lives in the very near future. So it really is any form of machine um, that exists in your life. Uh, it has to be invented, sold, regulated, um, and very often it's having impacts you don't even realize right now. Hmm. So why should we care about where we as a country stand in this race or where the EU or, or China is on, on developing 
these things like AI. It's partly about prosperity and it's partly about values. And I also don't think it has to be treated as a kind of nightmare. Mm. So on the prosperity front, you uh, obviously want your own country to be able to make things and sell things and employ people in that process because that is what allows you to build the life you want and for your kids to have opportunity. On the values front, it would probably be very scary if uh, we were going to be surveilled by a central government at every sort of step that we take in the course of our daily life. Um, It is really scary already that people who are activists around the world find themselves um, being spied on um, by authoritarian governments. So a lot of this stuff is already happening right now. And it is really to the advantage of everyone in the United States if there can be some form of uh, serious long-term investment and sensible regulation about um, how these technologies are going to unfold in our lives. Is there any particular area of tech where a country like China is seemingly pulling way ahead of us and where it is a problem? Well, the sort of things that people might not realize is that Amazon, for example, it's a huge company. It maybe has notionally the largest market value in the world, but it's not the world's biggest e-commerce company anymore. That is very clearly Alibaba in China. And there are lots of other examples where the biggest company now is Chinese and people outside of China often aren't even aware that 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 exists. So that's not inherently a problem in and of itself. But the point is for us in the West to be completely unaware about who these rivals are or what their plans are um, for trading with us or influencing us, that is a really bizarre situation to be in. Yeah, you mentioning that with Alibaba like made me think about the fact that, I don't know, I mean, off the top of my head, to be honest right now, like naming large corporations that are working in tech out of China, like I can't go much further than Alibaba or something like Huawei. Yeah, you know? I mean, and even that is probably more than a lot of people knew five years ago. And I guess the point is that in a situation like the Cold War, it was very clear who the rival and who the enemy was. You communists. You rattle off a lot of fancy words, don't you? It was clear how arms reduction was going to keep all of us safer. Hmm. And in the tech world, so many things are hidden or unknown or more nuanced that it's just a very different situation to be in. And I think it probably is time for all of us to think a little bit harder about our own levels of knowledge in this situation. So we know when we're being ripped off or we know when we're being threatened. We know when we're being spied on. I think a lot of the time we don't actually know the answers to those questions and we'd be better off if we did. So earlier this week, Politico held its inaugural tech summit, which included a number of different panel conversations with experts and and lawmakers. And you got together with a panel of experts to talk about this subject, what's next in the global tech race. Mm -hmm. Who did you talk to? And what did you learn from them? So I spoke to Senator Gary Peters, Democrat of Michigan. Well, it, it, it is absolutely critical that we are the, the leader in mobility and autonomous uh, vehicles and uh, that that is centered in the United States. That's why we're working on legislation now to create uh, the regulatory environment to be able to test these technologies, get them on the road as quickly and as safely as possible. Uh, Bill Peduto, who is the mayor of Pittsburgh. We need to create international standards of AI for good, of what the United Nations is looking at in cities like Montreal and Pittsburgh 
have created programs at universities like McGill and Carnegie Mellon in order to be able to set the standards of what AI can and cannot include. And a couple of really smart uh, think tankers, Erica Borgard and Zach Cooper. I personally would be concerned if the broader push to deepen cooperation between the United States and the European Union is focused sort of solely on great power competition with China. We all know that we need more regulation. In fact, technology companies have been pushing for more regulation. They want some guidance around issues like privacy, um, and they just haven't gotten it yet. But if we don't move, the Europeans are going to do this for us, and other allies and partners are going to do the same. And I just thought it was fascinating because you you had a, a pretty wide political spectrum there, and they all had their distinct viewpoints, but there was a level of openness and interest in how do we get smarter investments in technology um, than what I think you would have had in that panel five years ago. It wasn't sort of people arguing venture capital is better than government money. You know, it was a case of, well, we need all the money in all the ways we can if we want to stay ahead of China. And it wasn't anyone saying, you know, it's it's ridiculous, this idea of regulating tech. We need to let the Silicon Wild West continue. That wasn't the the line of thinking at all. You know, I spoke to the, the mayor, uh, Mayor Peduto, and I was saying, like, what are the sort of conversations that you have with big companies who want to set up in Pittsburgh um, or, or who want to um, work with you in some way? And he just said it's not people coming asking for tax breaks anymore. They want to know how they can contribute to um, a better public space. We need to bake in the solutions to this new economy at the beginning and not solve them after it's too late. And so I think it is a, you know, a more progressive conversation. And I don't mean that in a liberal versus conservative sense, but I mean in the sense that it is about how do we work together to find ways forward. And, and that is a odd position to be in or an odd thing to say in what is an otherwise fairly polarized political environment in America. You know, it's kind of clearly a bunch of people realizing we're going to be in a real mess if we don't plan and invest more in the future and we don't somehow figure out a way to work together on this. Hmm. Well, before I let you go, Ryan, uh, this is, after all, a pod pod. We're both <laughs> hosts here. You host uh, the Global Insider podcast, which everybody listening right now, uh, go and listen to that. Search for it. Press subscribe. The first episode is an interview with UN Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield. Um, but Ryan, you know, for people who haven't checked out the show yet, what should they, you know, be expecting and looking forward to in the episodes to come? I would call them really intimate conversations. So it's on serious topics, but it is trying to get to the heart of how these people do their jobs. And that can involve the lighthearted and the personal, but it's really trying to get them off their stump speeches and their talking points. And I'm not trying to bash them over the head. I'm trying to learn more about how they think and how they try and tackle these huge global challenges that um, we now face. And they could be a prime minister or a president. They might be running an international institution. They might be the activist that's trying to shake it all up. Uh, and we're really just going to go into the motorcades and the corridors and the kitchens of these people um, to figure out how they get that job done. Ryan, Heath, thanks so much for talking with me. A real pleasure, as always, Jeremy. 
Ryan Heath is the host of our Global Insider podcast. As I mentioned before, you should search for it and subscribe. You can also find a link to the podcast in this episode's show notes. Also today, a federal judge is blocking the Biden administration from continuing to use a Trump-era public health order to expel migrant families arriving at the southern border. In a ruling on Thursday, U.S. District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan found that the Title 42 policy does not authorize the expulsion of migrants and in turn does not allow for those removed to be denied the opportunity to seek asylum in the U.S., The ruling is a major victory for the ACLU, human rights organizations, immigrant advocates, and asylum seekers who have long argued that the use of Title 42 is unlawful, inhumane, and not justified by public health. And former President Barack Obama is tossing his support behind Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the closing days of a tight election campaign. In a tweet on Thursday, Obama said, quote, wishing my friend Justin Trudeau the best in Canada's upcoming election and said he's proud of the work the two leaders did together. The tweet was immediately met with charges of election interference, rebuke Obama also faced when he endorsed Trudeau in the final stretch of Canada's 2019 federal election campaign. The country's chief electoral officer at the time said the endorsement was not considered foreign interference under current law. The Politico Dispatch production team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.